I'm gonna, I know over the last few weeks when we did all the Bible series, we played all those games where it was like, is this in the Bible? But I got one more for you, okay? Not a game, but just one quote. And I want you to raise your hand if you think this is in the Bible and raise your hand if you think it's not in the Bible, okay? Money is the root of all evil. Who thinks that's in the Bible? Money is the root of all evil. Okay? How many of you think it's not in the Bible? Okay. Does anyone know what is in the Bible about money? Okay. So, that's a tricky one. Okay? I will give it. So, if you said yes and you're like, I knew it was in the Bible. Okay, you're not totally wrong. But... You hear people say all the time, money is the root of all evil. And in reality, the, the quote is from 1 Timothy 6.10. And it says, For the love of money is root of all kinds of evils. It is through the craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And it's no shock to anyone that people have kind of a freaky attachment to money. And that money is like a big deal in our world and in our society today. Um, and it makes us do things... We wouldn't normally do. And if you think that I'm lying or not telling the truth about that, think about like, I don't know if any of you guys had this experience when you were a kid, but like when your grandma would be like, here, Brian, eat this. It's really gross, but I'll give you a quarter. Like, okay. And then you're like, ah, yeah, I'll eat it for a quarter. Like, and, and all the way to you can have good people who have good morals and they'll find like 20 bucks somewhere and they'll pocket it right like and and so we have we have all these instances of money making people do things that maybe they wouldn't normally do and you know honestly i feel and this kind of ties with the easter story but i feel that i can prove two ways that money was directly involved as kind of the main driving force between behind Jesus's crucifixion and we'll we'll talk a little bit more on that later. But as for humans, we have this crazy desire and love for money. And there's no doubt in my mind that people allow this love of money as that verse said, they allow it to be something that separates them from God and get in the way of their relationship, if not destroy their relationship with God. And if you don't believe me, If you don't believe me that money can come between your relationship with God, or if you don't believe me when I say that people love money more than they love God, I want you to think for just a second. And maybe this applies to you, or maybe it applies to a friend you have. But if you offered to pay someone, even if it was a small amount like $10, but if you offered to pay someone to not attend church... Many people would take that payment, right? They'd be like, I'd stay home from church for free. Like, you pay me 10 bucks, I'm staying home from church. And it's amazing what a small amount of money will do to separate us from things that otherwise we would say that we love. And, you know, I'm not saying that church is the only semblance or the only way to have a relationship with God because I could see someone going, oh, well, I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to read my Bible that whole time I would be at church and then I'll pocket the 10 bucks kind of thing. You know, but, but that's not the point here. Going to church and being part of a church family or a church youth group family is something that we're called by God to participate in and be a part of. 
And if you don't believe that, you can just read through Acts and the, the, uh, the letters from Paul where he's writing to the church. And it's very clearly laid out that Christians uh, are called to be members of a church. <clears throat> so why do we think that so many people would choose taking a cash payment over church attendance? And I really think there's either two things. One, either they love money more than they love God, or they don't appreciate church for what it is and what it can do for a Christian. But as we, as we think on this, I think it becomes clear to us that money is most definitely a major idol that people place ahead of God. So I'm going to ask you guys this. This is a, a chance for a little bit of feedback right here. Why do you think that people love money so much? Why do people love money? Okay, things they can do with it. In our society, it's hard to live without it. It's hard to live without it. Like the more money you have, the more you're known. Okay, the more you're known, the more okay. The hierarchy, Haley. Uh, people think they can. Oh, they think they can buy happiness. We put value to it. Yeah. Okay. We hold money over everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Why do people love money so much? You know, I think as I was thinking through, because I was asking myself this question, I was sitting in my office really thinking, why do people love money? And I started to think, like, why do I like having money? Okay, like, um, and I really think that there's two things that came to mind. You guys touched on one. One's power. Right. We think that if we have money, then we have some semblance of power over those who don't have money. And we also think that the inverse is true. If we have money, we feel like we have power. Right. And, and, I, and I think we all have seen people like this where they're they're maybe very wealthy and they go around and they treat other people poorly because they think they have power when they really don't have any sort of power. They throw their weight around and they feel like they can buy anyone buy anything or buy anyone off that they want to. And this is where we get back to what we talked about two weeks ago, the idol of self. We want to have power to choose and dictate what happens around us and how stuff happens, right? So like if we have money, we have power, which means that whatever we want happens. So everything always points back to this idol, this idol of self, right? What we want, what we desire. We want to have power so that we can dictate the terms of what happens around us, and we can buy the stuff that we want. So power, I think, is one main reason that people love money. Second, I feel like people think that having all the money in the world will give them peace of mind. So PP, power and peace of mind, okay? Which on one hand might be true. It is a safety, like I know, for example, like when I have more money in my bank account, I feel safer about like, hey, if something were to happen health-wise to one of my family members, like I can afford that. Or if something were to happen to my car, I can afford to fix it. Or things like that. Like it, money does give us peace of mind. It's a safe feeling knowing that, knowing that we have money for any sort of emergency. But realistically, the peace of mind that we really care about, again, comes from this idol of self. We want to know that at any time we can get whatever we want, right? Like if I had a million dollars, and I know for some people that's like chump change, 
in the world, but like for me, a million dollars would be a big deal. But I'd be like, man, I love having a million dollars because like literally anything that I would want in my life, I could just go out and buy, no, no, no question asked. You know, like, well, yeah, but, but you know, we we like this idea of being able to do whatever we want whenever we want it. I want a PS5. I just go buy it. I don't care how much it costs. I want to go on vacation. New Zealand sounds fun. Nice this time of year. Uh, my daughter wants a pony. Forget the pony. I'll buy her a farm. Like I, we, we like to have this idea of whatever we want, we can just go out and we can buy it. We like having the, com- the, the comfort of being able to satisfy our every desire at any moment. But we have to remember that no matter the amount of money or the possessions we accumulate on this earth... We don't get to take it with us. And I know that's like the the most cliche saying in the book. But guys, it's so true. It's so true. You could work your whole life. Like I've known people who have saved up their entire working lives for retirement. And and they passed away before they even got to retire. And, And so that money... Yeah, they maybe got to will it to a, to a family member, to a child, but like that money did them no good. And, and, and I don't want you guys to leave here. Like, I, like I, I genuinely don't want you to leave here tonight thinking Brian wants us to be poor. Okay, that's, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, because there's nothing wrong with making a good wage and, and going out and getting things for yourself from time to time. But... There is a problem with desiring and seeking money more than you desire and seek God. And, and, and if we read in Scripture, if we look in Scripture in Jesus' ministry, he clearly condemns seeking money over seeking God. We look in Matthew six twenty four, and Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He's specifically talking about money in this instance of serving two masters. I mean, it's obvious from this quote, and not just from this quote, but, but, but when we look at Jesus' actions and the ministry that he did and the way that he talked about things, it's very clear that Jesus despised people coveting money over God. One of the biggest actions that showed this, and what I think was really the tipping point for the Pharisees. And I said that money was like what eventually led to Jesus being crucified. And I think this was a big reason was the the story. Uh, and I think we all know what I'm talking about here. You may not know the, the ins and outs of the story, but it's the story of Jesus tossing the temple tables. Like it's a very popular story, but this was actually about money. And I'm going to read it to you and we're going to talk about it for just a second. But Matthew 21, 12 through 15 says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Guys, I don't know if you're understanding what's happening in this exact scenario, but the, the religious teachers and the Pharisees and the high priests and stuff like that, they were, this was a time where people were coming to do their annual sacrifices to God, like to atone for their sins. And so you were supposed to bring like a spotless, perfect animal, like a lamb or a dove or whatever. And so what they would do is when people got to the temple with their sacrifice, if they had come from like a long distance, they would do two things to them. One, they would say, oh, this, this perfect lamb 
that you brought, it has a little blemish right there. You're going to have to buy one of the ones that we have right here. And then they would, then they would not only do that, or they would do the same with a dove. It said dove specifically in there. But not only would they do that, but then they would go, ooh, you only have that kind of money? Well, we only take the temple coin, and the exchange rate is this. And they would dictate their own money exchange rate, and these people would have no option if they wanted to sacrifice, if they wanted their sacrifice to be done by these high priests, they would have no option but to buy their sacrifices there at the temple. And in this moment, Jesus was realizing that the people who were supposed to be not only an example of godliness, but of the people who lead the, the lead God's people into a relationship with, with God were supremely guilty of loving money more than they did God. Because if they loved God, then they wouldn't have sold out their worship of God and the following his commands to turn it into a scam for other believers. I mean, I want to just create an image for you real quick about how sick and twisted what they were doing is. And imagine if, let's just say some Sunday morning, either me or Aaron is preaching in big church. And we finish preaching and we say, you know, if you need to experience salvation, you come down front right now. And we stand down for an invitation and five people come up there and we just look at them and go, ooh, you're not good enough for salvation I need you to pay me $50 so that you can get saved. Uh, ooh, I can't, I can't lead you in salvation until you pay me the right amount. Oh, and you only have dollars. We only take lull coins. Okay? Like, think about how weird that would be. Or if during church, Teresa started playing a song... And if you're like, oh, I like this song, you had to like put money in the pew to stand up and sing the song. Like that's how sick and twisted they were turning worship of God into a money making endeavor. And that's how wrong it was. And Jesus comes in. And I mean, those things sound crazy, right? Like if, if a church was doing that, people would be like, what is wrong with that church? But people were doing it. And Jesus came in and he was like, man, that, this is not okay and, and that's why he turns over the temple tables. And that's really the back story behind that. And what I fear is that many Christians have the same love and desire for money today that they do for God. And if you're sitting here today knowing that if you were given the choice between choosing money or choosing a relationship with God, that you would choose money, you really need to reevaluate your heart. Like, I, I don't know how to say this any clearer. Like if you're sitting here going, if someone offered me to never go to church again, but they'd pay me $10,000, which would I choose? And if you're like, I would definitely take the $10,000, you need to look at your heart and, and start to question whether or not you love God as much as you love money. <clears throat> and, and guys, I get it. Like most of you are just starting to work. You're just working your first job. And, and like having money and managing finances and things like that is something that's new to you. And, and, and so I get that this lesson can kind of sound a little weird or maybe some of you out there are like, yeah, I don't even have a job. I don't know what it's like to have $10. Like my parents give me an allowance still like kind of thing. But like, but, <laughs> but, uh, but guys, this is something that I think that the church stays very quiet on because they know how angry people get when you mess with their money. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you not to have money or that you're a bad person if you have money. But guys, don't allow your love of money 
to overtake your love of God because money might help you get through this life here on earth, but it's not going to help your soul for eternity. So how can we live a life honoring God and, and rejecting a love of money? And, and I ask a question about this on the survey. If you guys remember the survey we took a couple weeks ago. Which, by the way, thank you guys so much for being honest. Like, I can tell when you guys are giving me honest answers, and I can definitely tell you gave me honest answers. And we'll go through some of the results of the survey as we go through this series. But um, one of the questions on there was about tithing. And do you tithe from your paycheck if you're working? And if not, do you plan to? And I know that when that question came up, many of you guys started asking questions about tithing. And so I want to just take uh, literally a couple minutes to discuss what tithing is, why it's important, and, and how it can show God that we care more about him than we do our money. <clears throat> so <clears throat> tithing, this is the most basic definition of tithing. Tithing is a biblical principle of giving God the first 10% of what he has blessed you with. Okay, This is not like, oh, it's just the first 10% of my paycheck. It's the first 10% of what God has blessed you with. And the biblical term for this, or the thing that it talks about in the Old Testament and then sometimes in the New Testament, is this word first fruits. Okay, And this could be of a harvest. This could be of your flock. So there were literally people who would, who would kill 10% of their cattle because it's what God had blessed them with. <clears throat> and it was a sacrifice to God. Okay? And, and so it's not always about money, but tithing is this, pro, is this idea of giving God the first 10% of what God has blessed you with. And, and I think it's important that we mention it's the first 10%. It's not the leftover 10%. Like, oh, I've paid all my bills and I've paid. Oh, and I made sure to get my mani-pedi this week and like, uh, you know, the important things. And then God gets that last little bit. No, it's giving God off the top of what he has blessed you with. <clears throat> and this is done. This is done. Um, this is done in faith. It's instructed by God to be done in faith and in a trust that if we, if we commit to God, what he has blessed us with, that he will bless us with what he, what we have left, trusting that God has provided you enough and that you trust him more than you trust money or trust yourself. Right. It would be easy to be like, oh, well, I really need this 10 percent this month. So I'm going to trust myself to manage it well instead of giving it to God and say, you know, what, I trust in God. And even though it doesn't look like I have enough money this month, I'm going to trust that God is going to provide in some way. We give back to God what is his and we enter into this. I could go into a bunch of scriptures and and if you want to hear them, I, I have them in my office. I'd be happy to give them to you. But. We, but we enter into, biblically, a covenant relationship with God when we do this. We are, we are accepting a promise from God that he will bless us and bless our remaining 90%. And, and I really, like I said, talking about money is kind of a weird thing to talk about with youth. I get that. And I don't want to stand up here and just do like a big pitch for why you should tithe. But understand that it is the most tangible way for you to turn from a love and desire of money and to rather with your life say, I love and trust God more than I love and trust money. To put your faith in God more than you put your faith in money. And man, I'm going to tell you right now, 
in this world, this is about the hardest thing that we're going to talk about in this series. This is about the, the most controversial, in a way, thing that we're going to discuss. This world tells us to love money, to gather as much of it as you can at all costs. But guys, I'm telling you, trust God and gather as much knowledge of God and a stronger relationship with God as you can in this life. That's what, the, what we should be focused on. Guys, we're going to get into, obviously you could tell probably from the survey that we took, but we're going to get into some very like deep and serious stuff over the next few weeks. Um, so please, please be here and be ready to like discuss some like hardcore stuff, okay? I'm going to pray for you guys, and then uh, we can eat more candy and get out of here. God, thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for all that you bless us with. God, we praise you and we, we thank you for that. And we pray that, uh, that as we give from what you have blessed us with, that you would bless us all the more. That we would enter into this, relation, this covenant relationship with you, with what we give back to you. And that you would put your hand on us and you would bless us. That we have faith in you and that we trust you. God, I pray that you would help us to reject this idea that money is the most important thing in our life. That we would instead focus and trust in you alone. God, I thank you for these students that are here. I pray as we enter into a very busy time of the year that you would just keep them full of energy and full of a desire to do your will and spread your good news in this world, God. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.